A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. 6.30. This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 6.30, Chad. Riley takes the drop. He looks to the end zone, throws it up in the air. Darrell Walker's got it at the one. Does he get in? Yes, touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker was able to come up with the football and just push it across the goal line after making the reception on the one-yard line, and the Eskimos are on the board. Riley looks like he's going to take it. He's going under center. From the one, Riley takes it. Touchdown, Eskimos. Mike Miller onto the line for the Eskimos as they go double tight ends. Riley gets the ball and throws it out to the left side to Darrell Walker. He's at the five, cutting to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker has a pair, and the Eskimos increase the lead. It's all over in Hamilton. The Eskimos have won their ninth game of the season. 29-26, the Eskimos over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And the Eskimo Show starts tonight with the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Jason Moss, joins us uh, on the phone. How are you doing tonight, Jason? I'm doing great, Morley. Thanks for having me. Uh, big win on Friday, an important win for your football club. You turned it around after losing uh, the week before. Uh, telling me about that game, and after you've watched it a couple of times, what are your thoughts on, on how your team played in it? Well, I think uh, starting out, we started out a bit slow. Uh, got behind him a little bit, but we showed a lot of grit and determination coming back, and uh, I thought it was a pretty clean game, uh, all three phases, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I thought our, you know, DBs covered well, uh, knocked a lot of balls down. I thought our D-line got after him. I mean, obviously, Zach Claros is known for making plays and getting escape in the pocket, but they were physical with him and hit him, hit him a lot, but uh, he definitely made some plays. I think our O-line did a great job blocking for John. Uh, John did a tremendous job running it uh, when the holes were there and, and creating some stuff on his own. And then our receivers, I thought, did their job. Uh, probably one of our better better blocking jobs we've done as receiving core, and I thought Mike was was good. I mean, just like always. You mentioned the, the defensive line and the pressure, and it's a great example of how pressure doesn't equal sacks. You didn't get any sacks, but I thought the pressure you got on Claris really, uh, really affected him and really affected the way their offense worked. Yeah, no question. I, I think they got away from the run a little bit, which you know they tend to do uh, occasionally. Um, which played into our hands a little bit, being able to make them a little bit more one-dimensional, I guess, and allowed you know our guys to get after them a bit. But uh, you know, um, I, I and I also got to give a shout out to our, our special teams as well. Our cover units have been tremendous uh, this whole year, and they were nothing but that again in this game. And I thought Troy did a great job returning the ball. Uh, you know, obviously having coming off the one big fumble he had last week to to not have any turnovers, being hit hard and still holding on to that ball. And obviously, you know, Whitey and, and, and Grant did their job. So, I mean, I think our special teams was, was lights out as well. So, You've won four of the last five games. Uh, you're talking about the running backs. So I was just kind of going through the numbers, adding it up. Uh, Shakir Bell had one game in there. Uh, John White had four, but they've totaled 565 yards with six touchdowns. Uh, is Has it been a conscious move? You, you're, you're carrying the ball more. You're getting more success doing it. Was it a conscious move, or is it just a byproduct of, of being in the lead a lot of times, and then when you go to the run game because of that? No, I think we made it more of a conscious effort to uh, – 
you know, rely more on our run game and our O line. Um, you know, that's something we looked at heavily at one point, and we thought, you know, we probably got away from our run a little too much in games, and it's something that's been good for us. And obviously, it started with the BC game, I guess. You know, having a, a really, really good success there, and you know, success in your run game comes from your O line and your, and your quarterbacks, or your O line, your running backs, and your receivers blocking, and quarterback making some good decisions in the Sally game. Um, but I think once you get on a roll, it's kind of hard to stop. I think everyone gets that momentum, gets that feel of what it's like to dominate people up front. And I think uh, your your O-line plays a little bit harder and your running back runs a little bit more when he's getting opportunities. And I think Gibby's done a great job coming up with our game plans. And I think they've you know, uh, been what we're going to be about going forward. Uh, you've talked about the success you've had in, in various areas. Uh, you've done that with some injuries. The depth on your team is really, I thought, Sean, through the last three or four weeks especially. Yeah, no question. I mean, even in the secondary last game, I mean, Thornton steps up, plays field half. You know, Peters plays boundary corner. Uh, obviously, that's where they finished last game. You know, Laddie's been Laddie all year. Uh, you know, I think we've we've done a good job, you know, guys stepping in and playing for people and playing at high levels. So, um, you know, I, I can't speak – it speaks volumes of, of, I think, the type of team we have and uh, the attention to detail that, you know, our coaches, you know, take to the meetings and our players, you know, understand those things and, and can take them right from practice right to the games. And I think when you have when you have depth, I mean, that says a lot about everybody. So I, I, I'm really, really enjoying that. You're back home this weekend for the first time in a long time since late September in that game against BC, 42 days between games. I want to ask you, uh, Jason, what was your reaction when you first saw the schedule and you knew that's what the schedule was going to be? And now when you look back at it, you go 3-1 and one and clinch a, splay, a playoff spot during those four <laughs> games. It didn't turn out to be probably as bad as everybody thought it could be. Yeah, I don't think anybody was too thrilled about the schedule the way it was when it came out. I mean, to not have a home game in October is, you know, not something that you'd ever want. Uh, I don't think you ever want to go that long of a stretch without a home game. I think it's difficult to do. Um, having said that, I think we use it as a rallying cry for our football team. Um, you used it to, you know, get closer as a football team. And, you know, obviously didn't make excuses. And, you know, when you throw the bye in there, I mean, it made it a little bit better. I mean, they were at least your home yeah. for a little bit, or you're at least you're, you know relaxing at part of that, uh, being able to regroup. But uh, no question, I don't know that going forward in the future, you'd ever want that to be on your schedule to be out, be away from your home that long. Uh, we're talking with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss on the Eskimo Show tonight. Jason, you've won four of your last five games. How close are you to being where you need to be, where you want to be, with one game to go before the playoffs? I mean, I think I think we can play with anybody in our league any given day. I just think we have to play 60 minutes in order to do that. But uh, I think we're ready for anybody. I just um, that's my feeling, and I think that's the confidence of our football team. Um, obviously, we have one game left to finish it off here, you know, and uh, against Toronto at home, you know, to finish out our regular season. But. You know, and that's the one game we're looking forward to. It's the only one on our schedule this week. But uh, I feel like we can play with anybody in the league on any given day. It's just like I said, we just got to take care of our, ourselves, our details, and play a full 60 minutes, and I like our chances. East or West, have you thought about it? Do you, do you try to discourage your guys from thinking about it, or how do you approach the situation you're in? Yeah, we, we talked about it today in our meeting, team meeting, because basically we're just kind of putting to bed the Hamilton game and moving forward tomorrow to to Toronto. And basically I let them know when they show up tomorrow, it's focus on this week 
with us getting better as a unit. We're in the playoffs. We know that. But I want us to get better in our drills as a football team in general, just getting better this week and beating this club in Toronto. That's what I want us to do. And, um, you know, after that, I don't want them worrying about – we don't really control where we're going to be, to be quite honest with you, and that's kind of what I told them. I said, you can go out and have a great game. Winnipeg wins, you're <laughs> – you're going one direction. I said, so why do we need to worry about it? We're either third in the West or third in the East. It doesn't matter. So we're going on the road. We've known we're going to go on the road for, you know, since BC won. And so we're, we're in that mindset now to kind of to finish her off here. Uh, what's your approach and your mindset about that final game? Uh, do you plan to rest some guys, some veteran guys, some guys who have uh, put in a lot of work for you this year? Yeah, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, and I'd rather just keep that to ourselves for now. Um, obviously, if it's anybody that has any kind of major injury, they'd probably rest in the game. But most of the guys that are healthy and, and fine, we're just going to stick with what we have. I guess the CFL, you don't have a big roster to begin with, and it's the 18th game of the year where your salary cap kind of means something. So, um, you know, it's not like you can just pull everybody and put new guys in and, you know, this and that. So, I mean, there's a lot of thought that does go into the moves you're going to make, but I'll just keep those close to our vest until we have to decide, and I, <laughs> to be I, honest with you. Yeah, I imagine you also have to be concerned about not killing anybody's momentum, right, and taking them out of a game. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the the message today was I believe in our backups, I believe in our football team, I believe in everybody on our football team, so it no matter whether we're resting people or not resting people, whoever's fit to play and whoever's playing is got a job to do and they're all professional so whether they're at practice uh knowing they're not going to play or they are going to play they all have jobs to do and like i said our job this week was to focus to get better as a team and a units and uh the guys are going to play um against toronto are going to play at a high level and we want to go out and win uh what do you expect from the argos they're in a situation where their season's done after saturday's game um, to be honest with you, I don't know how they're going to approach it. I do know they're going to want to win the ball game. Bottom line, um, you know, I know Scott Milanovic personally. I know he's a competitor. Um, you know, I know he hasn't packed it in, and so I know he's going to get his guys to play high and play at a high level. And I mean, you've watched their last couple of games, particularly the game in in Calgary before they went on their bye week. Uh, they gave them everything they had, and it was a close game throughout. So uh, that's I expect nothing but that. I mean, they should play free. You know, <laughs> play. You know pretty free and pretty open if you ask me i mean their jobs are on the line as far as you know making an impression for next year i'm guessing and you know guys are going to want to play well they're professional so um i expect nothing but the best out of them and but i'm telling you right now they're going to get the best out of us and And you know i I like our chances as the calgary stampeders found out against montreal a team in that position sometimes can cause some problems if you don't pay attention yeah and i don't want that to happen so we've we've talked about it We'll address it all week. We'll coach them harder this week than we've coached them all year because the focus has to be on getting better this week. We can't control anything. Um, We can't control where we're going to end up, anything like that. Uh, The only thing we can control right now is how good we're going to be at the end of the week. Great stuff. Jason Moss, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Marley. Have a good one. The head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Jason Moss. I talked to him earlier today. Now, unfortunately, that interview was taped before. Uh, word kind of started to filter out that uh, there may be a live mic situation going on on Saturday. Uh, uh, we don't know for sure. Nothing official from uh, TSN yet or from uh, the CFL. But the Eskimos did send out a release today that said the Eskimos Vice President of Football Operations General Manager Ed Hervey will be available to the media to discuss the live mic broadcast. And that will be tomorrow morning. So we'll hear 
hear more about that. You'll, uh, we'll get you the details on 6.30, Chad, uh, as uh, the morning moves along tomorrow. So I uh, don't know for sure if it's going to be a live mic situation, but the Argos and the Eskimos, only two teams who haven't done it. The Argos were never scheduled to do it. And, of course, the Eskimos turned their mics off. So uh, maybe they will do it on uh, Saturday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Many, many great things going on in that game, including the 50-50 draw. Uh, the first 20,000 people through the door will be given a free 50-50 ticket. Uh, the 50-50 jackpot starts at $50,000. The Eskimos have already purchased $100,000 worth of tickets. They'll give you uh, 20,000 of those tickets. And, uh, of course, there'll be many more sold as well. So it should be a great jackpot for that. Uh, the Eskimos are also going to uh, honor two-time Grey Cup champion, all-star wide receiver Daryl Mookie Mitchell, who uh, went into the Hall of Fame this year, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. So that's uh, just part of everything that's going on Saturday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium for the Eskimos and the Argos. And from our perspective here at 630, Chad, maybe the most important thing is it's 6.30, Ched, Santa's Anonymous Day. We'll have, uh, we'll have uh, uh, booths up uh, at all gates, so bring a donation for 6.30, Ched, Santa's Anonymous, whether it be a new uh, unwrapped toy or whether it be some cash. Please bring a donation for 6.30, Ched, Santa's Anonymous on Saturday. When we come back, we'll talk with our football analyst, Blake Dermott. That and more as we roll along. It's 8.18 on The Eskimo Show on 6.30, Ched. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Eskimos have one game to go in the regular season, and that game will be on Saturday afternoon. It'll be on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. The Eskimos and the Toronto Argonauts to talk about that with us a little bit and to look back at uh, Friday's win in Hamilton. We say good evening and happy Halloween to Blake Dermott. Hello, Morley. How are you? Happy Halloween. Uh, are, are you, you're giving away those, like, family-sized chocolate bars, I bet, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we do here. Yeah, one for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. No, right? no, God, no. I I, uh, I, I had to stay, stay away from it as much. And actually, by the end of it, we're starting to hand out way more per person than, uh, than normally do, just so they could get over with and uh, <laughs> eliminate the temptation. Let's get rid of it and turn the lights on, right? That's right. Get back to watching the telly. Uh, Eskimos, that was a pretty impressive win on Friday night, I thought. Uh, you know, they were down some pretty key guys injury-wise. They were in a building, uh, in, a, in a stadium that's tough to win in against a, a team that uh, is trying to put their game together. Uh, they built up a lead and then hung on to it. Uh, I, I filed it under a gutsy win. Well, I think any time that you're, uh, you're playing on the road against a team that has uh, given you some trouble um, in the past and, and most recently, uh, you know, they, we talked about this before the, the game, um, about how they were going to handle if they had a lead. And uh, there was a period of time there that uh, it started to remind me of the first game that they played this year. You know, they had the big lead and then uh, saw the lead disappear, and, and then they lost the game. And, and a little part of me was saying, oh, boy, here we go again. But Hamilton has that, that ability. They've done that three times. Uh, I think it's the only CFL team that's ever come from behind by more than 15 mm-hmm. points or 15 points at least going into the fourth quarter in one game. They've won three of them this, this year. So they're a pretty resilient group and uh, a group that has a lot of, uh, a lot of belief in themselves and, and their, their systems and their coaching staff. And, and they've done that with, with not you know, always having their number one guy in there as well. And you saw that, I mean, that, that Hamilton team is pretty beat up with, with receivers down, Chad Owens and, and Luke Tasker and, and uh, uh, those guys out of the lineup. And, and also, uh, as I, I call him Speedy B, but uh, Brandon Banks is out. And, and, then, and then they just seem to lose player after player. I think three players, one mm-hmm. started off in, in, on a stretcher, and, and they, they were really struggling in that defensive secondary. Yet, 
they still had enough and enough fortitude to fight back and, and make the game very interesting at the end. Uh the uh, run game for the Eskimos. I, I went back and, and I went back to the home game against BC. Uh, Shakir Bell played that game. Then the four road games uh, in Winnipeg, in Montreal, in BC, and in Hamilton. Uh, between the two, and Bell the first game, White the last four, 565 yards and six touchdowns. You get play like that on a consistent level from your running back, you're going to win some football games. Oh, absolutely, especially at this time of the year. You know, it's funny how... At the beginning of the year, everybody's run game was non-existent, and uh, because the weather's good and the you know the the, the, the footing is is true, and and uh, it, you can play fast and you can play you know a little bit more risky at that time of the year. But when when the leaves start to fall and the weather starts to change, everybody's everybody's mindset offensively, and you're seeing that pick up in all across the league. Well, I mean, we talked about uh, C.J. Gable in the game being the invisible guy on that offense for Hamilton, and he starts out, uh, you know, just having pretty a pretty visible. Game. Yeah, he was he was pretty visible. You're right. He he had a heck of a game, and that, that emphasis on on uh, from the Hamilton offense being the team that runs the least in the league to you know putting the ball on the ground an awful lot with the running backs and having a lot of success with it. So it's that time of year, and that whole mindset changes, and and uh, and that's playoff football, and everybody's playing it now. Uh, look ahead to uh, Saturday now, Blake. Um, the Eskimos have clinched a playoff spot. They're, they don't know if they're third in the East or third in the West. They kind of don't control it unless Winnipeg loses. Would you rest, guys, if you're in charge? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to. I, I would never have wanted to be rested either. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, nothing uh, nothing prepares you better than game speed, and uh, and you saw that happen with Calgary when they decided to to rest uh, Bo Levi. I think Calgary wins that game if they, if they don't rest him. But uh, I also think that uh, that loss may not be a bad thing for Calgary. It uh, may make them refocused. And, and uh, you know, uh, also, I also said a few weeks ago that I didn't think Calgary was going to be going to win 16 games. <laughs> now, i, I got to ask you, we talked about this when you were in a couple of weeks ago on the roundtable. Did you guys get together and pop the champagne? No, no. <laughs> Actually, I haven't even talked to anybody about it. Not even uh, a text or anything? No, no, I didn't talk to anybody about it. I just, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of quietly, you know, because it, what are we going to gloat about? I mean, we were 16-2, and two, but we lost. So. <laughs> yeah, you lost, the, you lost the next game, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it just, it just shows you how difficult it is in, in any league to, to be perfect. And, uh, and, and right now, the standard for, for, for perfection is 16 games. And, uh, and there's been how many years have gone by that, uh, that nobody's been able to, to, to match that. There's a number of teams that have done 15. But, you know, as I said, with Calgary in the situation, the thing that concerns me a little bit about Calgary, or maybe it doesn't concern me, maybe it's a, a little bit of a, a hopeful sign, is that it's going to be an awful lot of days between starts for Bo Levi Mitchell from the time he got on the field to his next game it's going to be a long time and uh, i don't know if any player at this time of the year is uh, is going to be uh, uh happy about that i mean you know you look at the eskimos last year having virtually the same kind of schedule to buy it in the first place and and uh but that you know that was three weeks between games this is now a month between games for bo levi uh with having uh, not playing this week and then having the bye and then two weeks so that's an awful long time for for it to play with your head and and be prepared and and sometimes the worst thing that can happen is you over prepare and uh you know you don't just let things happen which is one of the things that he's had a whole lot of success with he's uh, he's very creative on the field he's very he's, he's disciplined in running their offense but he's also when things break down he's been very creative so so is that going to hurt them going through the west uh, you know if edmonton does end up going through the west if winnipeg does lose and edmonton does win uh 
you know, the first thing Edmonton's got to worry about is they got to get by BC, and then they got to worry about mm-hmm. the, uh, Calgary. And then you go back to, you, you, you go out east, and everybody's been saying forever that it's the easiest route to go is through the through the east. Well, careful what you twice. wish for. Yeah, they've lost twice to Ottawa and only beat Hamilton once. And you saw what Hamilton did to him with a depleted mm-hmm. roster, fought back and scared them at the end. So it, I don't think either, any path is going to be easy. It's playoffs, and playoffs are supposed to be tough. All right, uh, Blake, thanks for your time tonight. It's pretty good. The gates must be closed at the retirement home because we've been talking for 10 minutes. I haven't heard the doorbell once. <laughs> <laughs> the gates are closed. Have a good night, Blake. We'll see you at the, we'll see you at the stadium later this week. All right, Morley. Thanks a lot. All right. That's our football analyst, uh, Blake Dermott, uh, with his thoughts on things. Uh, when we come back after we head to the 630 Shed 24-hour news center, we will uh, check in uh, with Regina, and we'll check in with Toronto. Jamie Nye, who did a fabulous piece on saying uh, goodbye to Taylor Field. We'll talk to him about that and uh, about what happened on Saturday. Then we'll check in with the Argos and see what kind of shape they're in for the football game here on Saturday. That and more as we continue. It's the Eskimo Show on 630 Chet. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Ah, the Eskimos won a close one in Hamilton on Friday night, built up a big lead, then hung on and got the win over the Ticats. Uh, they're facing the Toronto Argonauts this Saturday. It'll be at uh, the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. A couple of things to take note. Of course, the 50-50 jackpot starts at 50000 for Fan Appreciation Day. Eskimos plan to honor uh, Mookie Mitchell, who of course played for and was a coach with the Eskimos uh, and was uh, sent into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame uh, a couple of months back. The Coors Light Fan Fest will move indoors. It'll be at the Jackie Parker Room or in the Jackie Parker Room in the West Pod, so you don't have to dress quite as warm for that. Although dress warm for the game because it uh, might be a little chilly although the weather forecast is in double digits right now double digits for a game in november it's spectacular uh also uh it is santa 6 30 ched santa's anonymous uh, day as well so uh, make sure you uh, bring a new unwrapped toy fans are encouraged to help make christmas dreams come true by bringing a donation of a new unwrapped toy or cash to uh, the bins located uh, at all entrances of uh, commonwealth stadium that's coming up saturday we of course have the game for you here the eskimos and the argos two o'clock kickoff 12.30 for the pregame show. They are done, at least as far as the CFL goes, at Taylor Field, Mosaic Stadium in Regina. They had the final game there on Saturday. Now, uh, Jamie Nye, who you might remember as a one-time employee here at 6.30, Chad, is a born and bred Saskatchewanite, and uh, he now works at CGME in Regina, and uh, I got a chance to talk to him today. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, you got to seek it out somewhere on the interwebs. Uh, it is a spectacular essay, and his goodbye to Taylor Field. I had a chance to talk to him about it. On the outside, you see tin, cement, steel. The water stains rust, wood, the drips, puddles, the chipped away stairs, the paint on top of paint on top of paint. Taylor Field definitely shows her age, but it's been home. Maybe inexplicable, but that is the voice of Jamie Nye from CJME in Regina, and uh, you can head to the uh, Green Zone website, I believe it's called. Is that right, Jamie? Uh, the best place to find it is on our fake Facebook page uh, at Green Zone SK. Is uh, it's pinned right to the top there. There you go. It's a, it's a great feature and uh, it's got some great pictures. And uh, the uh, you you were a tremendous wordsmith there, saying goodbye uh, to Taylor Field uh, on Saturday. Tell me about your experience on Saturday night. What was it like for you? Was it as an emotional evening as everyone kind of thought it would be leading up to it? 
the, the energy in there is you know, not quite the 2013 Grey Cup when it was uh, one on home turf and the, just that whole crowd was crazy, but it, 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 it was close. Uh, the game itself was a dud. The Riders played bad, so I think it maybe ruined a little of the allure. But after the game, there was a lot of emotion in the building. Um, I went, took a trip down to the south end zone where my wife and daughter have season tickets and took a selfie and kind of commemorate the final moment. And my mom was a few seats down and uh, and high-fived some friends that I went to football games uh, growing up as a teenager and university years with. So it was a nice moment. that A lot of people were in the stadium were talking about all their great memories. And some people brought Sharpies to kind of sign their seats and how long they've had those seats as uh, they move into what's going to be a fantastic facility. Uh, it's, it's, it was a moment to kind of recognize the memories and of where they were, uh, where they happened. But uh, a lot of people are really excited about what's ahead next year in that state-of-the-art facility. Yeah, more on that in a moment. But, but first, what's the, what's the lasting moment? What's the, the takeaway picture in your mind from Saturday night that you're going to remember forever? Uh, I think it's uh, seeing, you know, George Reed from the 66 team, Roger Aldeg from 89, Gene Mikowski from 2007, and Darian Durant from the 2013. And the team uh, has had a lot more losses than wins in their storied history, but those four Grey Cups mean something near and dear to everybody who uh, grew up in Saskatchewan as a part of Ryder Nation. And seeing those four kind of standing around the Grey Cup while the green fireworks are going off as a finale and, uh, there were green wristbands, and it was a sea of green, and that that image uh, will hold on. That was a that was a great moment to finish off uh, Mosaic Stadium, Taylor Field. And uh, it's a, it's a night that people aren't going to forget for a, for a long time uh, off the field, on the field. Uh, I guess when people talk about their memories of Taylor Field, they won't be talking about what they saw on the field for the last game. Absolutely, <laughs> that was as I said a dud from the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the on again off again QB rotation. Uh, but I think uh, with the playoffs out of sight, uh, everybody was just waiting for it to end so they could do the post game celebration and, and uh, have that moment to reflect on Taylor Field and Mosaic Stadium. And nobody wanted to go home when it was over. No, the people stayed in their seats and. Uh, there were some tears, people staying in their seats, and as I said, writing mementos and things on the stadium before they left one final time and went down those ramps. And uh, it was uh, it was a, it was a special place where the, the Riders mean so much. They're the only pro franchise here, so it's one of those places where a lot of people feel like they grew up on summer weekends going to rider games with grandparents and parents, and then bringing their own kids and maybe some grandkids. Uh, it's been a generational place to uh, fall in love with the team and be a, became a member of Rider Nation for sure. And it's and it's not just the Riders though. I mean, they played high school football there. They played college football there. They've had some pretty big concerts there. It's been uh, it's been Saskatchewan's meeting place for a lot of big events. Well, when you think of you know Chris Getzlaff, when you think of those players from Saskatchewan uh, who are now starred in the Canadian Football League. That's where they started. Uh, Brendan Labatt, one of the top offensive linemen, uh, going. Even Gene Mikowski, who played at the U of S, but would play games, you know, uh, in Regina, growing up in high school, et cetera. And uh, it's uh, one of those places. And actually, the final game at Mosaic Stadium will be a university game. The Regina Rams will host a semifinal, and if they win, they'll host the Hardy Cup. Uh, for the Canada West football, and if they win, they'll host the the Mitchell Bowl a little later on. So there's still more football to be made there, and 
it'll be interesting to see what what is the final official football game in that stadium. But definitely, a, a, it's been a heartbeat of football in Saskatchewan for from RMF Regina Minor football all the way up to the Rough Riders. And now the switch flips from nostalgia to excitement to get across the street. Oh, that that place is unreal. Uh, it, it is. You walk in there and. Uh, it, it is a facility that Saskatchewan will be proud of, and I think it'll be one of those facilities that our fans from outside of Saskatchewan will want to take a road trip to uh, come and watch a game there. They have uh, a lot of a lot of perks, and you know the plumbing works and all that that fun <laughs> stuff. That, uh, is nice uh, compared to the old place. So, uh, it, yeah, the old place had its charm, but the, the new place is definitely something everybody's excited to find their new seat and it's an individual seat with an actual cup holder and there's more leg room and uh, yeah it's it's going to be like the lap of luxury I guess. This will be or this year was my seventh year going uh, to Mosaic to do football games with the Eskimos. I assume that when I come next year and go across the street that the uh, the sink in the men's washroom in the press box will not be running. <laughs> Because it's been oh, running, yeah. it's been running for seven years. I don't know if they ever turn it off. That's the thing. I, it, it just runs and runs and drips, and you try to get as much water to wash your hands as possible. And uh, you almost feel it, it's weird. You almost feel dirty washing your hands in that sink, doesn't yeah. it, Morley? It, it's weird. Uh, yeah, it's uh, different. And elevators because. You know, for the media, we won't have to go up 11 ramps to get to the press box. You can just take an elevator up now. It's 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 really, you know, 19th century. Well, it's 11 ramps? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a, 11 ramps. 13 all the way to the 200 level, 11 to the press box. Wow, because I usually lose track after 6 or 7 because I'm getting no oxygen to my head because I'm huffing and puffing so much. So. <laughs> Uh, That's one thing you don't want to do is run to the microphone at Taylor Field. Yeah, it's, it, That's it's a impossible. Long run. You can run yeah. away because once you start going downhill, you can't stop. But anyway, yeah. uh, one more comment from you about the Riders in particular. Uh, you know, they won four in a row, and everybody got excited about the turnaround. Now they've dropped their last two. They go to Vancouver to play the final game of the year this weekend. That means nothing to either team, really. Um, uh, has Chris Jones got this thing on the right track? Do you think? I think he does. I think that four-game winning streak is indicative. Are they going to be a Grey Cup contender against what uh, Calgary Stampeders, who don't look like they're going to slow down? Don't know if you can say that quite yet, but it's an off season where if he continues to take another step, this is definitely a playoff team next year, and I think it already now could be a playoff contender. Uh, with uh, the West after beating, you know, the Edmonton Eskimos and uh, keeping in games, so, so we'll, we'll, it's definitely a step in the right. Albeit, there's still one gigantic storyline that has not been finished, mm-hmm. and that is whether or not they can sign Darian Durant to a contract extension. Yeah, that will be, I'm sure, the big story until it happens one way uh, or the other. Uh, we haven't solved the Western Division in 2016 yet, but I'm pretty uh, uh, safe to say I think that. It's going to be a real tough division in 2017, isn't it? No, all five teams, uh, judging by what happened this year, are going to be a pain in the butt to to go into and play against. And it'll be very interesting to see what uh, comes out of 2017 with five teams that look all set to be pretty good contenders. And the best news about the new stadium is it'll have a bigger dressing room for more players, right? No, I, <laughs> there's there's more than enough room for the pre-practice squad or the pre-pre-practice squad. Excellent. Uh, Jamie and I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks very much. Yeah, no problem, Morley. And for one final time as you walk away, look back and remember that kid 
who left their first game and thought those multicolored seats were cool, holding on tight to that little yellow football, who fell in love with the team, the game, the experience, who couldn't wait to come back again. different place for new memories, for new generations of Ryder fans, and a place we'll now call home. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Final regular season game of the year. Final home game of the year for the Edmonton Eskimos. Coming up on Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock start against the Toronto Argonauts. 12.30 for the pregame show here on 6.30. Chet, as I look at my phone right now, it says... Mostly sunny and 13 degrees. Looks like a great day for football. Get to uh, Ticketmaster and uh, make. let's have a big crowd out there and say farewell to the Eskimos for 2016 before you sit back and just kind of watch their playoff run and see what they can get. Uh, they're playing the Argos on Saturday. What's going on with the Argos? Well, to find out, let's bring in the play-by-play radio voice of the Toronto Argonauts, uh, Mike Hogan. Mike, what's the Argos' approach to this week's game? Uh, one, don't get hurt. <laughs> uh, two, win. Um, I, th- I think the guys know enough that, that for those especially who are, you know, um, looking to continue playing in the Canadian Football League, um, as it was once put to me by Jason Pottinger uh, heading into a nothing game, video is honest and it lasts forever. So, you know, if you're looking to continue a career in the Canadian Football League, you want to have good video. You want to be able to prove to another team that you're going to play 100%, uh, even though the game doesn't mean anything. And quite frankly, if you play at less than 100%, the odds are you're going to increase your, your odds of getting hurt. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the, it might be more of a me than a we game, so to speak, but... Uh, uh, I, I, I expect nothing less than a full effort against the Eskimos. I guess well, there's a lot of players who probably know they're not going to be back in Toronto next year, but they want to be in the CFL somewhere, and this is the last chance GMs get a chance to look at them. Sure. And I, you know, I don't know how much stock I would put in one game, especially one like this. I, I'd probably be more prone to go back and look at, at a couple of, uh, of, of the must-win games uh, that, well, to be honest, a lot of guys didn't show up for. Um, so that might be a little bit more... Of, uh, of an indication for a GM, and I think that they go over the over the bulk of the work as opposed to just one game. But I think I think this would be more of a character ch- uh, test than anything else. Who starts the quarterback for the Argos? I would hope Ricky Ray. Uh, I'm I'm uh, on the air during the uh, during the practices, so I don't get a chance to get out and and see what they're doing. But uh, I would be stunned if it's not Ricky Ray for a myriad of reasons. One, it might be his last game with the Argonauts. Two. Um, you know, if Scott Milanovic is going to go out, he may as well go out with uh, with number 15, a quarterback. And if this is Ricky's last game, um, and I, I don't know if he's even made a decision yet, uh, how appropriate is it that it's in Edmonton? So, I mean, uh, just with so many things kind of uh, lined up, uh, the Cosmos may have uh, made the call instead of Milanovic that it's Ricky Ray starting against the Eskimos. Uh, you made uh, you open up a couple of cans of worms there. First, let's talk about it. Uh, long-term, sure. Ricky, r- long-term Ricky Ray plan long-term Scott Milanovic plans, and maybe long-term Jim Barker plans? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking, Mike. Um, well, that's it. Good night. Drive safely. Um, <laughs> with, with Ricky Ray, I think it depends on him. Uh, it's been a really tough 
last few years for him. He's been injured, I think, the last just four years. Um, and some of the injuries have just been freakishly unlucky. So yeah. I think there's something there. We saw him play for the first time in a, in a couple of months in Calgary uh, two weeks ago now. And, boy, he looked good. I mean, the arm strength is is vintage Ricky Ray, maybe even with some of the, 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 the exercises he's been performing and some of the weight work he's been doing, maybe stronger than we've seen in the past. So is the arm there? Yes. Is the brain there? Hell yes. He's still one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Um, does he want to go out on a higher note? I would think so. And I don't know if the Argos, you can, you know what it's like in the CFL, a team can go from worst to first pretty easily. But I don't think there's any indication that you would pen in the Toronto Argonauts as a great cup contender next year. Uh, that said, uh, this had to be a frustrating season for Ricky Ray. He's also given an indication for the first time that he's thinking post-career and thinking football as well, uh, potentially as a coach. So um, whether he wants to get into that aspect of the game um, immediately, I don't know. Um, he may just have a discussion with his family, what they want to do. I kind of always thought of Ricky Ray as a guy that would go back to Northern California and just, you know, coach high school football or something. Um, that seemed to be his personality, but it seems like he wants to give the CFL a go as, as an assistant, maybe follow what Anthony Calvillo is doing. As far as Scott Milanovich is concerned, um, in my opinion, I think if he were to be let go, it would be a bad decision. Um, he's had to go through four starting quarterbacks this year, and aside from Ricky Ray, none of them have been any good. Um, they acquired Drew Willie for a reason, and that was that Milanovic liked him, so maybe there's an opportunity for them to work in the offseason. So uh, for what they've done, and he has two more years left on his deal, and let's face it, the Argonauts were not exactly putting 50,000 bums in the seats this year. Uh, from a financial standpoint, I think it would be uh, advantageous to keep him. Plus, he's a hell of a football coach, bottom line. Mm -hmm. Jim Barker, I don't know I don't know if, uh, if they want to make a change or not. Um, he's done some things really well. The Canadian talent is as deep as any team in the Canadian Football League. Uh, but you look at some of the other moves, uh, the secondary hasn't been any good all year. Some of that due to injury. Um, and and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the Drew Willie trade myself. So uh, there would be those who would look at that and just can't figure that one out. So I don't know if Jim will be back or not. Um, I don't know if it's a package deal with Milanovic. I don't know if they want to clean house and start over. I have no idea. But uh, it is going to be a very interesting offseason in Toronto. Yeah, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and it doesn't solve any of the Argos' problems. But when you look back and, and think about what Zach Kolaris has accomplished and can accomplish and Trevor Harris, what he's accomplished, and can accomplish. I'll tell you what, uh, the Argos made a couple of mistakes, probably at quarterback in the last few years. Well, the Zach one was easier because, A, they had Trevor Harris there. Yep. So it was like, okay, Zach is going to be a free agent, um, but we still have Trevor Harris. And, you know, uh, according to uh, to those in the know, they made a hell of an offer for Trevor Harris, who, for whatever the reason, uh, opted to go to, Toronto, to Ottawa. Maybe he thought he'd get an, uh, an opportunity to start a little bit quicker. And I know that they thought that Logan uh, Kilgore could be the next, you know, one in line behind Zach behind Trevor, and they thought he'd be the next one. And he he had two games where he threw ten interceptions, and the and the confidence is completely gone. That's Mike Hogan. We will uh, see him here on uh, the weekend when he visits with the Toronto Argonauts, who are the visitors uh, for the Eskimos in the final regular season game of the year. A reminder for that game, it is 6.30, Ched, Santa's Anonymous night at the stadium, uh, or day, I guess. So uh, please bring uh, a new unwrapped toy for donation. Uh, there'll be drop-off bins located at all the entrances of the stadium. Uh, more than that... The Eskimos, of course, have the big 50-50 draw going on. It's a kind of fan appreciation night uh, for the Eskimos. Uh, not kind of, it is. Uh, 
they've uh, purchased uh, fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars worth of fifty-fifty uh, tickets. The first fifty thousand, uh, of course, goes to the fans. The others goes goes to their charities. Twenty thousand fans through the door will get a ticket. Then you can go buy some more. The jackpot is really gonna jump. That's Saturday. Weather looks like it's gonna be terrific. So uh, head to the Eskimos website for ticket information and uh, much more that's going on. Ticketmaster to get your tickets. Uh, Mookie Mitchell will be honored as well at the football game going into the Hall of Fame a couple of months back. Our thanks to our guests tonight on the Eskimo Show. Eskimos head coach uh, Jason Moss, our football analyst Blake Dermott, Jamie Nye from Regina, and Mike Hogan from Toronto. 2 o'clock for the kickoff, 12.30 for the pregame show. Eskimos and Argonauts from the Rickfield at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday. My name's Morley Scott. Thanks for sitting in with me tonight uh, on the Eskimo Show. I'm going home to eat some candy. You should do the same. Happy Halloween, everybody. Have a great night.